tastemakers. In this episode, I chat to Mark, the founder and director of Shook London, a Tel Aviv street food stall based in Borough Market. We talk about the melting pot of influences that form Shook's wonderful pitters, and how Mark wants to kick off a London trend of cooking on wood grills. We also discuss what helped Shook get through the pandemic, from their evening concept era to their DIY kits, to the support of Instagram bloggers. I caught up with Mark remotely, so he's speaking to us from the distant box of Scotland, and Shook churn out some of the consistently best food in town for me, so I really hope you enjoy this episode. Let's dive in. So I'm here with Mark, who's the founder and director of Shook. Uh, I was wondering if you can kick us off by giving us a bit of an elevator pitch for what Shook is. So Shook is inspired by all of my, a combination, I would say, of all of my eating experiences when I was a kid. Visiting family in Israel, and um, and then and then basically meeting my wife who's Israeli and spending a lot of time with her family, um, who are were actually originally from um, Iraq, hmm. so they were all the, from Baghdad, and then they came over to Tel Aviv in the forties, and they brought obviously all of their traditional cooking with them. Right, right. Um, yeah, so basically. Um, you know, Richard, my business partner, and I, who were met, who've been mates since we were, we used to go on youth camps together when we were kids. He also has a family in Israel and spent when he was a kid, used to go on holiday there. So we kind of grew up with the flavors of tahini and pita and all of those sort of stuff. And then, um, and then, I, then I hadn't been for years. And then um, I, about 12 years ago, went back for for a few days and ended up staying for a few months and just kind of uh, loved fell in love with it right. um and then met my wife and sort of got to know her and her family and spent a lot of time obviously my cooking was in high-end restaurants in mm. london but was all based around flavor and the emotions you feel when you taste delicious food and uh and then i think when i spent i had my first meal at my wife's family home and her dad cooked this fish stew which is called a chrimer which is like a sort of it's actually north african Mm. um a fish stew and i literally i was just almost in tears it was so good and and i think um all of the flavors of their family cooking were just so insane uh that really inspired me to to want to do something with that kind of food Mm. and so i was talking to richard my friend and we sort of said it would be so nice to do some sort of food business doing like Tel Aviv style food. Mm. Um, and then the opportunity came up to do something in Borough. So we said, right, let's do it. So then I worked on, I was actually on holiday in Israel and the, the management team at Borough said, right, we want you to, to do a tasting. So I had to sort of fly back from <laughs> Israel. Uh, I spent a couple of days playing around with recipes and then did a tasting of what is essentially the core the core um, ingredients uh, of shook, which is um, pitta sandwiches and, and salads based around roasted vegetables. So the pitta sandwiches, we did, I think, four for the for the tasting, and they actually were, were the sandwiches that ended up on the menu. And it's basically steamed pitta, which makes the pitta really soft, and mm. then you fill it with these kind of slow-cooked meat and fish dishes so one's got spiced lamb meatballs, which we serve with chili yogurt, and another one is um, is basically based upon this uh, the chrimer dish, 
that wow. my um, father-in-law cooked, which is our fish tagine, which is basically the same fish. We sourced the same fish that he uses in Israel for that. And then we sort of made this recipe. And so, yeah, so we're a stall in Borough Market. It's grab and go, but, but based around those sort of Middle Eastern flavors. And ultimately, Tel Aviv, the food of Tel Aviv is just like a real melting pot of different cuisines because you have immigrants from Morocco, from all of the Arab nations and the Eastern Europeans all coming together to sort of produce this food. And therefore, um, there's no, it's it's a food that's kind of a, a, a mix of all those different cuisines and hence like the fish tagine that we put on the menu, uh, we obviously couldn't call it a crimex. No, no one would know what it was. So we <laughs> or sort pronounce of said, it to well, order it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So what can we what can we call it that might be sound familiar? So we called it fish tagine, and and actually probably my favourite sandwich on the menu. So yeah, so it does that. We do. Uh, we also wanted to do some roasted vegetable salads so that for people who were vegan or didn't want to eat bread or that there was some really delicious kind of lunchtime grab and go offer. So yeah, so that's kind of, that's shook. Yeah, it's an amazing story. And I mean, yeah, I I feel like I almost was in tears when I first bit into one of those fishes as well. It's <laughs> pretty incredible flavors going on. So it, it sounds like it was a, a bit of a whirlwind experience at the start then from kind of the opportunity popping up to kind of getting the menu nailed down. Like, so had you done much work on it before kind of borough market got in touch no i mean not really i mean we'd we discussed doing something together and there wasn't a menu it was just an idea mm. and shook just means market in hebrew so we just we we obviously when you know in terms of naming something we were in borough market so it just felt right that it was called shook and in in tel aviv in in the shook markets you you have lots of street food so it kind of felt like really right but yeah so i think you know once we had the opportunity it was actually i would i did all the project management for the for building the unit because you're just given you're just given the space and then you have to sort of design the kitchen do all the branding so yeah it was pretty full-on we were investing our own cash so we kind of right you know we you, when you're investing your own money, you kind of you're really careful about how you do things, and so I chose all the tiles and the literally did all the design of the whole thing, which was quite you know I'm not I'm a chef I'm not really a project <laughs> manager, so it was quite it was quite full on. Um, I learned how to do a Gantt chart and like that sort of kept me on track. But yeah, no, it's pretty exciting get it up and running, getting it up and running, and um, yeah, the feed the feedback was great, and we did a. I think in the first month we did a collab with Patty and Bun on mm. a new pizza sandwich, brisket, which was essentially the Ari Gold cheeseburger made into a pizza, um, which went down and it went down so well. We literally can't take it off the menu because <laughs> I think people people come specifically for that. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I cool. definitely uh, have a long lasting uh, impression of that as a kind of permanent specials board on the side. <laughs> yeah. yeah, deservedly there. So how have you found kind of being in, I guess, as iconic a location as, as Borough Market, both for Shook by day, obviously, but you also have your uh, Erev concept by night as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think obviously 
we opened in November and then, you know, we were locked down in March, right? So mm. it was it was pretty difficult for us. You've just opened a business and you you have like a sort of couple of months of cash flow of setup costs and then you expect to be make trading, you know? Mm. So it was pretty tough for us to um get in get into uh so the experience of being in borough was great and our first few months were profitable so we were like really happy because you know obviously starting a new business to be in profit in your first like three months was amazing yeah but then obviously like as covid struck everyone within the hospitality business and you know everyone had to sort of you know adapt what they were doing to survive and one of the things we did was Arev which was you know we would never have been able to have the opportunity to do uh, a seated table service within Borough Market mm, yeah. if, if it hadn't been for um, you know the fact that everyone just needed to make money and that Borough Market you know worked with us and all the other restaurants within the market to be able to give us the opportunity to trade in the evenings and obviously it's quite you know i leveraged my background in high, in like high end restaurants to just knock out a menu of small dishes that kind of felt you know aligned with the with the sort of dna of the food that we did at lunchtime but in a more you know in a sort of restaurant uh, type format so that obviously we could try and get the spend up so and also just you know to do booze so that we could get some money on booze and all of that basically contributed to one of the reasons why we managed to kind of stay stay afloat over the whole throughout the pandemic because um you know that revenue stream in the evening kind of replaced what we lost at lunchtime with all the offices and the tourists disappearing sure yeah and I mean, there's a few bits I want to unpick from that, but I guess you, yeah. you mentioned there you've got a bit of a, a background in sort of fine dining and things. If, just to give a bit of extra context for our listeners, do you want to tell us a bit about what you've been doing before? Yeah, so I started as uh, I actually studied environmental science. I was really interested in uh, the environment, and um, but but I was always just in love with cooking mm. when I was at uni and everything. So I came out of uni, did a cookery course, and that sort of took me on this path into restaurants and I, I, my first job was um, in a two Michelin star restaurant so I'd been sort of did cookery school for a few months and then I was just like right I just I want to learn from the best right. so I just left when and then asked for a job at, in a two Michelin star restaurant and he, and he gave me the job and it was obviously very very tough for the yeah. first few months but baptism I then, of fire yeah yeah it was it was but I stayed there two years uh, learned, did all the sections, so learned all the different sections of the kitchen, and then worked for an, uh, for another chef who also has Michelin star, um, Jun Tanaka. Worked for him for two years, and then uh, became my first head chef job, and then uh, sort of did that for three years, and then became an exec chef where I ran five restaurants, and then uh, wanted to set up my own business, so I left and spent a year and a half. Uh, meeting farmers and farms around the UK. So because of my environmental background, I was still really interested in how um, food was produced. Mm. And I wanted to do a food ba business based upon a really kind of natural and sustainable and ethical uh, food supply chain. So I spent about a year and a, and a half kind of visiting farms and then set up a street food business uh, called Street Kitchen, which was basically um, we only used 
ingredients directly from farms all around the UK. And I did that for a few years. And that sort of evolved into my event business, which is my sort of main business I have now. But definitely the whole ethos of um, suppliers and supply chain was something that we wanted to bring into Shook. So mm-hmm. For example, all the meat comes from ginger pigs, so we wanted, and all the lamb, for example, in the lamb meatballs comes directly from one particular farm, which ginger pigs source from. Same for the brisket. So it's, and then the eggs come from Cacklebean, which is a great, a, a farmer who I've known for years in uh, mm. Oxfordshire, and and all of the Middle East ingredients come from one guy who basically sources them from the Middle East. So, yeah, so basically that sort of DNA um, of, I, I think the thing that the, the the restaurant scene and the restaurant experience gave me was being able to design a menu that I knew would be consistently really, that, I, that we could recreate consistently. Right. So having the experience to be able to, you know, because with street food, you just, it's so important, or like this sort of grab and go, it's so important that it's really consistent. Mm. So everyone time time someone goes they have the same experience and to try and elevate that but do that in that sort of format of the borough market stool i think all of that experience like really helped me plus having done all the sourcing also really helped us to kind of keep all the ingredients as um sustainable as possible Hmm, yeah i mean it sounds like kind of everything from your uh uh, childhood through to yeah your previous experiences kind of like paved a good through line through to, to what shook's become i suppose definitely yeah and you know it's quite interesting i there's a there's quite an experienced chef who contacted us recently who's who sort of just said to me uh, you know i went down to um i went down to shook and had a look at the way you operate and and i was so impressed by the you know i can see how you, the the formula that you've got there is really impressive and it's you know he was a, he was a consultant chef for a very big restaurant chain and kind of helped design their dishes so it was really nice to get that feedback from him and you still got the soul in the food but it's kind of and all of the guys and the team are really passionate about what they do but you've kind of designed it in a way to make it easy to be uh, consistently mm. really good yeah, I mean that's the kind of the gold that everyone's aiming for, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, you've uh, you've, yeah, you've hit I mean, the look, gold standard. We, we'd love to open a couple, so you know, we we obviously the, we haven't done anything yet because the the landscape is so mm. uncertain. But I think we definitely opened it with a view of saying we might want to open one of these in the city in a busy area where you've got lots of offices or you know those sorts of areas we could open a few and it was definitely designed that way because we've got a central kitchen where we produce all of the slow cooked dishes and then it then all the all the components then go to down to borough so it'd be easy to open a couple more basically Hmm. yeah it makes a lot of sense i mean that's one thing i was going to ask you later on actually is kind of what might be on the horizon in terms of yeah maybe more sites and things i mean would you look to yeah replicate the kind of shook formula or would you get a kind of restaurant with the era vibe or a combination of the two so we're really in a crossroads at the moment i mean because of the the of the, the pandemic has, has sort of created a created a, a an uncertainty in hospitality that sort of makes you if you want if you're going to invest in something at the moment the most successful places are neighborhoods 
spots because right. everyone's you know people just aren't or at least the same number of people are just not going into the west end or the city and so all the places in the west end of the city unless they're particular you know spots that people absolutely love mm-hmm. those places are busy but you know below that every you know there's there's definitely uncertainty and people are struggling whereas in neighborhoods all the neighborhood joints are so so busy they're doing better than they've ever done you know uh, pre pre pandemic so so definitely we're our mindset is do we take the erev menu that we did in the evenings in borough and do we then sort of put that into a neighborhood format where you can have pitta and hummus plates and salads at lunchtime for a really affordable price and then something a bit more sort of small plates and cocktails in the evening in a in a in a really nice neighborhood spot uh, so that's kind of one path and the other path is you know um taking the opportunities that to to find a site in a in a area like the city that mm. where we might be able to get a really good deal because because of the uncertainty we might be able to get a really good deal now and then in you know in six months time all the offices will be back and that will be rocking so we're sort of at this crossroads at the moment where we're trying to work out which way to go i think both routes would work really well but certainly i don't think i think people have had a move to to wanting to use their neighborhood restaurants and to sort of you know be more comfortable about hitting a neighborhood spot than getting on the tube and going into the city or going into the west end so i think it's a bit of a no brainer to look at look at neighborhoods and also it kind of feels really right for for erev feels quite neighborhood in terms of the intimacy and the hospitality and you know and the sort of quite informal relaxed vibe around the food yeah definitely i th- i think it kind of gave off that vibe when we were dining there yeah it kind of felt like that kind of neighborhood spot where you know, they people kind of welcome you in. They feel like they know you, and it's yeah, nice and intimate, and good conversation, and nice food. Um, yeah, it's, it sounds like a pretty magical uh, experience if you're able to pull that off in, in in another spot. We'd love to. We'd love to. So we actually we're looking at a site actually at the moment. So we'll see. Don't really want to sort of um, jinx, jinx it. it. Yeah. But, uh, so let's see what happens. So we're going to have a look at that. But but I really I really want to. Um, I'd love to cook on wood. Right, right. And a lot of the restaurants in town, you know, lots of people use Josper ovens and charcoal grills, but there are not many people cooking on wood. And, um, or at least it's it's started to become, I think, a bit of a trend in the food world, definitely for like outside cooking and festivals and stuff. But yeah, so I'd love to do like a wood grill and to do all of the, so we would have our, small plate dishes like from Erev but then the one section that we haven't been able to do at Borough because we weren't really allowed to cook or grill right. was a grill section and to do that sort of over wood yeah so, sounds yeah, very quite, exciting quite excited about that yeah, yeah. I'll be uh, watching this space uh, eagerly <laughs> to see what happens uh, the, the other kind of like big thing that I wanted to chat about and you kind of touched on it earlier in terms of saying like obviously coming into this pandemic era kind of everyone in the hospitality industry kind of having to pivot or like come up with a new kind of angle for what they're doing and at least to me from the outside it seemed like you guys were one of the more successful stories in that in terms of turning around your kind of pitta kits and your babka kits and like this diy stuff 
that obviously quite a few different people ended up doing, but you guys seem to be pretty quick off the mark and with like really quality offer as well. Um, I was just wondering kind of what you were thinking about in that kind of March time 2020 and what kind of the highs and lows have been for you of this pandemic era. Well, it was quite interesting because actually, you know, I've got an event business, right? So the moment the pandemic hit, all of my events cancelled. Mm. So, um, and we had a really busy summer ahead. And what, so the first thing that I did actually was um, uh, I tried to set up a, like an initiative to cook. So that one of the things I, I sort of, from talking to my suppliers, we, the whole of Covent Garden Market was suddenly ground to a halt, but it had a lot of produce that was just sitting there doing nothing. And so I tried to um, get an uh, initiative off the ground where, whereby we would take that produce and, and make it into meals for people who would find it hard to, to have access to meals. And so I spent time talking to, the, to like local council, like writing emails to MPs, um, basically just saying, look, there's going to be lots of people who won't have access to food and can't get shopping because like no one can get shopping because all the shelves are empty mm. or they can't get lots. So like, let's get like, let me get all of my chefs, like carry on cooking. And like, all I'm asking for you guys for is just to cover like the cost of the ingredients and the chefs. I don't want to make any, and it was really hard to kind of get it off the ground. And I suppose, I suppose one of the reasons was that um, no one really, everyone was so busy, you know, trying to sort of work out what they were going to do mm. uh, local council wise and what, what, what the requirements were, but there was just no sort of spare capacity. So I kind of, I tried really hard for about a month to get that up and running and just, and I just kind of failed. So anyway, so after that, a month of trying and feeling a bit down about mm. not having managed to achieve that, then I sort of turned back to look at Shook and say, right, you know, what are we going to do? Because although we carried on, we, we had to lock down for a bit. We then were allowed to re takeaways were allowed to reopen. So we reopened Shook in Borough Market, mm. but you know, the, the the sort of level of revenue was so tr drastically low that we were losing money as a business. And so, um, and so then, you know, I sort of, said, right, well, what can we do? We, we need to do something online. And one of the first businesses that, that did it was Patty and Bun. Right. And the, so Patty and Bun were, and, and, and I'm, um, I was involved in Patty and Bun because I designed the menus at the beginning and sort of got involved with Joe at the very, very beginning. So I'm sort of quite close to, to him and to, to Patty and Bun. And I saw like these guys have just got this, the burger kits up and running and they were, so what can we do? And I wasn't convinced that the, kit, the pitta kits would necessarily work for some reason. Mm. So I was like, right, what can we do that actually people are at home doing nothing, you know, sort of everything's a bit crazy at the moment. What can we, what could we do? So that's when I thought about the bubka kit. So bubka is a really typical in literally every bakery in Tel Aviv, they'll sell a bubka, right? Mm. And it's, um, it's a yeast cake. It's like a, it's like a brioche uh, dough that you, that, that you twist with different fillings. And so I just thought, well, maybe if we make a dough and we put the fillings and, give that to people then they've got an activity hmm. which it might take them half an hour or an hour to do they've baked something fresh at home and which you know any sort of chocolate brioche that you pull out of an oven is going to make you feel good hmm. right 
and um, and that people might quite like it. So I started playing around with recipes, and I found a Israeli pastry chef a book, and he had a recipe, and I tweaked that, and and then started sending them around to a few mates to say, look, do you think this would sell? if we um if we did it and everyone loved it and the response was amazing so so then i just said right okay right let's get to work and we um so we sent a load out to um to the instagram community who were amazing uh kind of you know supporting us and talking mm. about it and then it just went nuts from the moment that we sort of sent those out and everyone started posting about it it went crazy. Like the sales were just absolutely nuts. And we had a prep kitchen that then became just a, a like a kitchen for boxing up these babka kits. Right. And um, yeah, it was amazing. And actually, you know, the sort of level of sales, that was one of the reasons why we managed to stay profitable. We had a few months of losing money, like when the lockdown first hit. And then we went back into profit from selling the babka kits and then, you know, doing Erev, doing the Erev sessions. And so, yeah, so all those initiatives have sort of kept us just in profit sort of through the pandemic and now coming out the other end of it, you know, we're in fairly good shape. So, I mean, it was, you know, like everyone, you know, there were certain businesses that obviously did really well because they were geared towards pandemic, like delivery businesses Mm. and stuff. But everyone in hospitality was just screwed from day one. And all you could do is just get to work and crack on and see what you can do. And and it also like one, I, I would say another massive, massive factor for us was trying to keep all of the team employed and not having to, you know, not, not furloughing them. And there were bits of furlough, but on the whole, everyone kept, we had everyone working all the way through, which I think, you know, furlough's been a double-edged sword because obviously it's been, you know, it's been a lifeline for so many people, but equally, I think it's it hasn't been great for people's mental mental health or kind of mental state of mind sure, yeah. versus people who've, who've been working all the way through. And you know, because it's quite hard to sort of you know switch from switch from having been furloughed to then kicking back into work and readjusting again. I think it's been, been really hard for people. So so yeah, we feel very lucky. And, you know, it's all of us coming together and luckily having a team of people who were really up for doing something different because and having the flexibility and willingness to just go with us and just try different stuff and, you know, end up packing boxes rather than cooking, essentially. But, yeah, so we feel we feel very lucky. And and also it's been it was such a joy to see so many people posting about the bubkas and their experiences with them and having enjoyed it and yeah so it's it's, yeah really rewarding yeah i don't think i uh saw any negative sentiments about it and quite rightly uh yeah fantastic it's definitely yeah it was um you know just the smell people would just say this they they liked it because it was because we sent them the dough and the toppings and all we had to do is roll it and twist it there's that element of right i've actually made this because i've rolled it out twisted it proved it and baked it but actually you didn't have to get a mixer out or weigh things mm. out it was just so it was like the right balance between i've you know feeling like oh i've actually made something and but it wasn't too much hassle at all and and everyone says the smell of the um bubka when it comes out of the oven is insane so um yeah it's pretty magical and i I think particularly the uh the marmite 
collaboration with the Clerkenwell boy. The smell of that one, yeah, yeah. blew me away. I think. Yeah, it was so funny when we first when I when we first did our round of chocolate ones. Uh, he had actually said, "Oh, you know, Mark, you should do a you should do a cheese and marmite one." And you know, I was I was kind of you know that thought was sort of put put aside for for quite a few months because we were just so manic. Mm. And then I just you know had sort of remembered, oh yeah, you know, Clarkwell boy had said you should do that, so let's let's try and do one. So I did one up, sent it to him, and he said. He just basically said it's it's great. Let's do a collab, and um, yeah, it was awesome. You know, it's just but uh, you know, I was very very touched, and continue to be touched by um, the way that the Instagram community, uh, you know, you and all the other all the other crew are just so supportive of hospitality businesses, and 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 in in a lot of ways have been so instrumental in um, in everyone you know, doing business because, you know, you guys all talk about us and that that kind of leads to people wanting to buy stuff from us and, and it's really kind of helped us survive. Well, I'm glad to hear that the, the system works, I guess, in, in, in some ways. <laughs> it's, it's good that, yeah, we're able to kind of support each other, I suppose, in some ways. But, yeah, like, I mean, at least speaking for myself, yeah, we just get to enjoy and share, like, great stuff and great businesses and great food and that's kind of what we're here for which is yeah great to kind of see that that's yeah driving more good stuff i suppose um yeah it's so appreciated as well so appreciated because it is it really does you know it, it's it's a lot of work so um i guess moving away from shook stuff uh for the moment then uh kind of what when you get the chance, I suppose, uh, would be your favourite kind of place in London to go out and eat. Do you know what the, the I, I've um, so I've done a I'm doing a bit of work on a pasta project at the moment. Okay. For a, I'm helping on a new project that's opening, uh, Conduit Club, which is a kind of um, it's a social it's a social not social enterprise but kind of um, it's a club whose members are all into social and environmental change okay. and who have businesses or do stuff for, in those sort of movements. So something that I really wanted to get involved with and help out. So it's launching in, um, it's launching in uh, actually soon, end of uh, beginning of September. And uh, so, yeah, for one of the elements of that, they've got a Italian restaurant in there. And uh, so I've been doing a lot of research on pasta and I've got to say that, I've eaten in all the sort of pasta places mm-hmm. that um, are recommended. And the two, my two favorite are Manteca. And um, there's a place called uh, Burro Salvia in uh, Redchurch Street, which is like a little pasta that, you know, it's like a sort of pasta shop where they make pasta at the front. But plus, you know, you can go in there and eat like simple Italian food and literally like in that same way that you know I felt I felt like bursting into tears when I had a bowl of pasta there no joke their pasta is absolutely insane it's quite special so um I would say that's probably you know my the the most incredible food experience I've had in a long time and it's so kind of humble it's mm. like a little kind of pasta. I don't know. Do you know that place? Burra? I don't actually know. I was going to say it's one I'm going to have to uh, rush out and find. Yeah. So Burro e Salvia, which is uh, butter and sage in Italian. And uh, they just do like four pasta dishes, but um, all handmade. And there's just so much love put into it. 
Uh, it's quite, it's just incredible. Uh, Felicity Spectre recommended it. I said to Felicity, like, I'm doing this pasta research. Where should I go? She mm-hmm. gave me six places straight away, obviously. She, she knows everywhere. And this was one of them. And so I went to all of them. And yeah, Manteca as well. I don't know if you've been there, but like incredible, just the flavor, simplicity, uh, the passion within their team. Like those are two places that, yeah, absolutely love. Amazing. And, yeah. also, and also my mate, Jun, who I worked for at the 9th in, on Charlotte Street. So his pastor's insane as well. <laughs> he does like, it's sort of slightly more, I would say, refined, but just incredible. He does these uh, incredible longestine uh, ravioli. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I sent Jun down to Burro Salvia and he felt, he said, he said, yeah, he was the same thing. It's like, wow, that's it's so good. So, yeah. Strong recommendations. Yeah, and no, I'll definitely yeah. be adding those to my list for sure. <laughs> yeah. And so my kind of final question that I've been posing to everyone that I chat to is, do you have an inkling for kind of any new big trends or what's the new big thing we're going to be seeing on the London food scene in the kind of coming months or years? Well, I would love, I personally would love to be setting the trend of, of like cooking on wood mm. uh, as a sort of, um, you know, it's something that, you get a different taste and a different kind of, it's a different way of cooking to cooking on charcoal. And obviously charcoal's um, really, really big. There's been a big move to charcoal over the last, I don't know, probably like five years or Mm. even longer. And like Jospers in almost every restaurant. Um, But there's something really, you know, I know elsewhere in the world, like cooking on wood's really big. There is, there's a few, I went, I did an LA trip actually about six months before the pandemic and uh, went to kind of five or six different restaurants and they all had wood grills. And I was just like, I loved the, I loved the the visual element of seeing the fire. So yeah, so I'd love for me personally, I think it'd be really interesting to see a bit more, more cooking on wood in restaurants as a bit of a sort of move uh, but aside from that, aside from that, I'm not. I'm not really sure. I mean, I think that, you know, I think like open kitchens with with fire cooking, I think would be lovely. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. There's always, I mean, any kind of open kitchen like immediately kind of gives you a, like a really nice sense of a place. But yeah, having the, having the wood fire going sounds like a really nice. Experience. I suppose you, you know you have it in pizza restaurants, hmm. or you know um, with the wood fired pizza ovens, but not necessarily on grills. Yeah, and yeah. Um, one of the places I went to in LA was uh, was called uh, Bavel, and um, when you walked in the restaurant, you just saw this big fire going on in, the, in this open kitchen in the middle. And the way that you cook on wood is that you you have to sort of make a fire, and then as the the logs kind of break down into embers, then you sort of pull the embers across and you cook on the embers. Right, right. So it's a bit of a different process to charcoal. But um, but yeah, that that uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Mm. And I mean, LA is usually a good indication of what might be coming over here <laughs> in the coming uh, yeah, years. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Definitely. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to chat to me, Mark. It's been uh, been great to uh, kind of pick your brain about all things shook and otherwise. And I mean, yeah, we, we'll definitely be keeping an eye out to see sort of what happens uh, in the future, re other sites or other exciting things you having coming down the pipeline. Definitely. And, um, you know, thanks so much for taking an interest and taking the time 
to ask me to join you and also yeah look forward to um you know at some point uh hosting you and sitting you down for a meal in our in our restaurant whether it's Erev whether it's called Erev or something different <laughs> fingers crossed yeah I, I can picture it already <laughs> cool perfect well, thanks so much again Mark I'll catch you it's again. such a pleasure and there you have it. So thanks so much again to Mark for taking the time to chat to me. You're seriously missing out if you haven't tried anything from Shook yet, so get yourself down to Borough Market or order yourself one of their fantastic sweet or savoury DIY kits online. I'll drop all the info in the show notes as per usual. You can find me on Instagram at MikeEatsLondon or follow the pod at MikeMeetsLondon. If you enjoyed the episode, please do subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and do please give me a review or a rating or anything along those lines and share it with your friends if you can. It would be great to spread the word to more people. See you next time.